Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. People want to know the response to an evil action almost as much as they care about the evil action. The people who are persecuted shouldn't have to answer. But that's not the way it is. Do you know that you have a whole team that's black that plays for you? You just, do I don't? I support them and give them food and clothes and cars. Who gives it to them? Does someone else give it to them? Who makes the game? Do I make the game or do they make the game? Best players in the world, the reason they're the best players a lot of times is because they reduce stress and anxiety outside of the game. And they come to the game and they can lock in. But then there's a time in life where all, all bets are off. The story first broke in the early morning in the Eastern time zone today. But Donald Sterling and the firestorm that he now finds himself in, that story continues to unfold and dominate headlines. It was the story. It was one of the rare moments in NBA history where... No other story mattered. You know, off-the-court distractions have long been a part of postseason play, but this isn't a player in trouble at a nightclub. This is a team, the Clippers, burdened by ignorant, racist comments allegedly made by its owner. This is supposed to be kind of a good league, mm-hmm. but the danger of things that seem good on the surface is, like, they're really dark underneath. underneath yeah. First crisis for new NBA commissioner Adam Silver, with everyone watching how strongly and swiftly the league will respond. And again, all of this coming in the middle of what is probably the most promising postseason in Clippers history. You got to think that this situation has, well, it's been weighing on these players. With something like this that you know you can't escape, it's hard to just go out there and play. This Clippers team in the midst of the postseason, what are you hearing about how they're going to be handling this? I was actually told within the hour that players were considering actually not playing. Welcome to The Jump. That was the trailer for the documentary Blackballed, and I am thrilled to open our show with 10-time All-Star Chris Paul, who also has a producer credit on this movie. And on the right side of your screen, Mr. Will Packer, who is an executive producer on this project and is, of course, also the producer of so many hit movies, movies that have earned more than a billion, billion with the B dollars in box <laughs> office. So, you know, they're both really good at what they do over there. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us, Rach. Really appreciate it, Rach. Thank you. Well, was there a moment when you guys were putting together the documentary and a piece of film you were looking at? It just made you stop short and say, oh, my God, this is riveting. So many. So many. It's one of those stories where it's like you think you know it, but to go back and relive and see what a crazy time it was. You know, Chris and the team, they were put in such a unique position where although they hadn't done anything wrong, It was global news that something awful had happened with their franchise. And everybody looked at them like, okay, what are y'all going to do? What are you going to do to fix it? 
and we go behind the scenes of all of that. It, it gets it gets deep. And Chris, the documentary covers how you guys really were prepared to boycott, to walk off the court of a playoff game just after tip-off, which I'm not sure people really realize what you would have been risking if you had done that. You would have been upsetting the apple cart of a billion-dollar television deal, risking alienating fans, worldwide scrutiny. As the leader of that Clippers locker room, how did you decide that you were willing to make that hard choice if it came to it? Man, it was, it was bigger than that. It was bigger than, you know, uh, basketball. It was more about life, race relations, and and how, you know, people respond. It was just, it was nonstop phone calls, you know, from not only just your family members and friends, but from uh, political leaders, you know, and we cover all that different type stuff in the doc. And as, as a basketball player, guys on the team, you're trying to concentrate on a game, playing against the Warriors, you know, which was a heated series and all, so... It was a lot going on at the time. I was going to say, Chris made me think about a moment in the doc where he talks about all these eyes were on him and he's getting all these calls. But Chris, you talked about your kids. You talked about the fact that you had to say something, make a stand, make it known that this was not okay because you had your kids' eyes on you. So you were saying that if I don't do the right thing, they will think this is okay. They will think that this is how you respond to adversity. Absolutely. And I think back, it was 2014, right? And I think about Chris, he was born in 2009, so he was younger. But now he has the opportunity to watch the doc, right? And he asked all these questions. So, yeah, it was, like I said, it was bigger than the game. It was, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Chris, you are the president of the Players Association, and here you are in another situation right now where you're being looked to for leadership. And again, there are no easy choices, except this time the opponent isn't racism. It's a worldwide pandemic, and the issues are literally life and death, the future fate of the league. How do you navigate all that? A lot of hard conversations that have to be made, a lot of hard decisions, but with the team around us, I think uh, ultimately... Uh, we'll we'll get to where we want to. Obviously, we want to play. Oh, man, we want to play. We want to play bad, too. Uh, and I think that's a consensus for the guys around the league. We want it to be, obviously, as safe as possible. But the biggest thing is we miss the game. I mean, Chris, what you just said, one of the things I keep hearing from players is we want to come back. We feel good coming back when it's safe. But how do you define safe? That's really the question, right? There's no zero risk option until there's a vaccine. And if you're waiting for that, you're talking about having no MBA for one or two years. So for you, what is safe? What does that mean? Well, it sounds like we need to get you on the, one of these committees, Rach. You know what I mean? So you you can figure out what, what needs to happen so we can get back to play. Uh, I don't have the answers. I don't have all the answers, but I know that people are working tirelessly trying to figure it out. Well, what are you hearing most from players in terms of a detail of how things would resume that they're concerned about? Are they concerned most about testing? Are they concerned most about risk of injury after having a long layoff? Are they concerned about the playoff structure being fair? I think it's a combination of a a lot of things. But at the end of the day, right now, no one expected this and knew that this was coming. So what is normal now? Right. So I think that's what we're trying to figure out is what it looks like. And until we find those answers and we can come up with an actual plan, like right now is just, you know, it's basically sit and wait. Sort of the, the virus is in control. Well, you sat and watched up close the way Chris Paul and the players handled things in such a stressful situation. 
What do you see is going to be a through line to the challenge in front of all of those players now in the time of COVID? You know, they realize their power. Uh, and you hear that even as Chris talks now, uh, ultimately, this is something that uh, is is beyond them, but their voice and their decision will be the loudest. At the end of the day, the the it won't be the owners, it, it won't be the fans, you know, all that will have something to do with it, but it's the players and it's the players and their power. And the thing about that, the blackball doc is it looks at one of the literal iconic watershed moments in not just sports history, but history. You're talking about an NBA owner getting banned for life and ultimately being forced to sell his team. That's unprecedented. And so they found their voice and found their power. And you're still seeing the reverberations of that today, even now, as they will make the decision. I have all faith and confidence that they'll make the the right decision, certainly being led by CP, but they'll have to make a decision and it will be led by them. It will be their decision. They have that power. And I, I enjoy seeing the players embrace that power that they have. Uh, well, when you look at the business that Chris is in, sports or the business you're in, entertainment, what role do you think these industries have in coming back and dealing with this epidemic? It can't be overstated how important athletics and entertainment are because uh, you call it a distraction, but it's so much more than a distraction. It really is a symbol of hope. That's what sports is in our time. Rach, I was watching the Cornhole Championships the other day. <laughs> right up. You're just looking for anything, huh, Chris? Listen here, I'm I, I I love to compete. Like I love to compete. So, you know, uh I mean y'all just said it. Sport sports are huge, huge, like in the DNA of everyone, you know what I mean? Just to watch it and get to see the emotion of it and the passion and the the time and stuff that people, you know, put into it to prepare. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do have to ask you guys about the last dance before we go. Has watching it at all, has it changed your perception of Michael Jordan in any way? Yeah, for me, it's nothing like this, Doc, because um, I actually reached out to MJ to tell him like that these times back in like the 90s or whatnot, it's responsible for a lot of us and why we're in the NBA now. Seriously, in that. I remember me and my brother at home, like my mom cooked dinner around the game, right? When the Bulls were coming on WGN and we didn't have YouTube. So me and my brother would have to go in the backyard and act like we were Jordan and Pippen. I mean, we knew MJ was MJ, but this, this right here, like when he says, you know, I would never ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. Gotta respect it. All right. Last question. Are we going to have the rest of this NBA season? What's your gut? Yes or no? I hope so. What about you? Oh, I say yes. I say yes. May not be fans, may not be like anything we've ever seen, but I'm just I'm saying yes because I'm hoping yes. But I, I my instinct tells me that there will be some form of a season. Yes. Well, thank you both so much. Let me remind everyone: Black Ball drops on Quibi on May 18th, Monday. It's exceptional. All right, coming up, you just heard Chris Paul tell me he wants to finish the season out badly. Next, we'll discuss the best way to handle any return-to-play scenario from a leadership perspective. We'll be right back. The Jump is brought to you by Wendy's 2 for 5. Price and participation may vary for a limited time only. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. 
No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the camaraderie of the other bikers, a band of brothers always there for you, rain or shine, to the amazing savings you get with Geico on your motorcycle insurance and accessories coverage all year round. But for Bucky Hornhill, it was one reason in particular. It was my helmet hair. I was born with helmet hair. I've tried to cut it a bunch of times, even buzzing it, but it immediately just goes back to helmet hair. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Coming up next, it's First Take Extra, Jalen and Jacoby, highly questionable and around the horn. That's followed by UFC Live at 5 Eastern and Sports Center at 6 o'clock Eastern. And the third UFC event in Jacksonville this week is available on ESPN and the app. The main card starts at 9 Eastern on Saturday night with a great prelim card starting at 6 Eastern. And welcome back to The Jump. I am Rachel Nichols. I'd like to welcome in our esteemed panel, the Hall of Famer, Tracy McGrady, 2008 Finals MVP, The Truth, Paul Pierce. And guys, you heard Chris Paul there go on the record stating that he wants to finish the season. It's the first time we've heard those on-the-record comments, but it's one thing to say it. It's another to actually figure out how and weigh the concerns of, say, a star player versus what the rank-and-file role players might want. Playoff teams, guys probably want to finish the season more than guys who are just headed to the lottery. Tracy, we know CP3 is the MBPA president. How would you balance all of that different stuff if you were in his shoes? It is tough. You know, we have about roughly 400 players in our league. Uh, CP is the voice for those guys, so he has a huge responsibility. Um, it's very imperative that he talks to uh, the star players, uh, some of these coaches, and, and really figure out what's the best way uh, for us moving forward. I mean, the players already have taken a 25% reduction in their pay for this last check. If uh, some, if the teams, if they resume the season, teams make the playoffs there will be a 40% uh, reduction in their checks. If the season is canceled, then we're talking about a, a totality of a, a billion dollars will be lost. So, I mean, there's a lot to think about when it comes to, um, you know, a star player versus, you know, guys living, you know, from pay to check, pay, from paycheck to paycheck, which is crazy. But some guys are living paycheck to paycheck. And it's just, you know, what do you do? Yeah, um, you know, this is kind of like similar to the lockout, man. And I was able to be part of a lockout during my rookie season. And, uh, you know, I know that the players are in the same mindset as CP3. You know, he put a call in to a lot of the star players. And I'm, from what I'm hearing around the league, the guys really want to get back. But like you said, Mac, you know, it's just to what extent, you know, what, uh, what are the precautions we're taking and I know the uh, NBA has uh, a lot of resources at uh, being able to present a, a campus like feel for the players and you know all of us want the NBA back but it's to what measure and, and what risk uh, and is it worth it at the end of the day and then guys like CP3 who are older you know the clock is ticking on their career guys like him LeBron 
uh, you know, when you get up there in age, you, you really don't want to lose these years. And so That's a I good can point. see and sense the in- urgency in, in their voices. Real good point. Absolutely. It is so complicated. There's so many boxes to tick off that billion dollar number, though, Tracy. Yeah, it, it scares man. a lot of guys and it makes them motivated to want to try to figure out somehow some way. You know, another interesting comment from Chris was just how close the Clippers were to boycotting at least a game or two in the 2014 playoffs in an effort to force the league to act on Donald Sterling. Now, Paul, you played in the playoffs that year. You were over with the Nets. If players had decided to stage a boycott, if they had gotten to the other teams in the league, and that was the plan, if the Clippers and Warriors boycotted and that didn't force the league to ban Sterling, the plan was to ask other teams to do it too. Is that something you would have wanted to participate in? Oh, absolutely. You know, the the type of racism that came from Donald Sterling has no place in not only our game, but in the world. Uh, I mean, if it was something league-wide where the teams were to come together to boycott games just for the ban of Donald Sterling, I would have been all in for it, guaranteed, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, we can't allow Bigot in our, in, our, in our game, especially to be uh, a leader of men. You know, owning the franchise and, you know, guys are trying to follow your lead. Like, we can't allow that in our game. So if the, the, the players wanted to unite and boycott until this guy was thrown out of our, our game, I absolutely would have been down. I probably would have led the charge. <laughs> and, guys, it's one of those things where we saw player empowerment kind of blossom during that Clippers reaction to Donald Sterling, right? The fact that they said – we have some control here. One of the quotes on the Donald Sterling recording was, I make the game. And the players said, no, 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 no. We make the game. And this is what is acceptable. It came at a lot of risk. There's a lot of backlash if you decide to boycott and you're upsetting the apple cart of billions of dollars in television contracts and all kinds of other things going on. Public reaction. We saw what Colin Kaepernick, the reaction to him just from making a stand during pregame during the national anthem, if they had decided, hey, we're going to cut off games and that had spread around the league, I think it would have been very significant, the fact that you guys feel so strongly about that with those kinds of risks. It really says something about the players in the NBA. All right, coming up, we're going to look ahead to the series finale of The Last Dance coming this Sunday. We are very sad that it has to end, but we're going to discuss our expectations for the conclusion of the epic story of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and the Chicago Bulls. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Tomorrow at 9 o'clock Eastern on ABC, it's Kobe's memorable finale. Yes, 60 points. 60 this man dropped, the record for any player in his final NBA game. So big, it overshadowed the Warriors picking up their record 73rd win of the season that same night. You can watch that tomorrow on the big network. All right. 
Then it's the final two episodes of The Last Dance, Sunday night, starting at 9 o'clock Eastern. Michael Jordan is allowed to swear on television, so the uncensored version is on ESPN <laughs> and the app, while the edited for mature language version is on ESPN2. Guys, I can't do it, but Michael Jordan can. That's all I'm saying. It's crash time here on The Jump. The NCAA indefinitely extending the deadline for college players to withdraw from the 2020 draft, keep their amateurism. This deadline was set for June 15th. A new withdrawal date will be set once the league determines, you know, when the draft is. T-Mac, how would you handle this if you were a first-round projected player, but maybe like late first round, second round, not knowing if you could go back to school or not with all this uncertainty going on? You know what, Rachel? I, I Honestly, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about... The uncertainty of both leagues. We're talking about on the collegiate level. We're talking about on the professional level. Yep. And I just, I don't know if college is going to presume in the winter, in the fall and the winter time. And I don't know if the NBA is going to presume. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to have to talk to officials on both sides just, you know, to help me weigh my options. Cause I honestly, I, I, w- I don't know. This is an easy decision for me because why would I? take my name out the draft for the uncertainty of not even be able to play another year of college sports. And so I'm going to just take my chances with the draft and, and wait, work out, uh, possibly try to gather up some endorsements uh, in the process, uh, you know, just try to find a way to where I can make a little bit of money. I mean, it, it, it's double-edged sword. I mean, because there's no sports on both sides that are, are – coming back anytime soon that we know of, especially NCAA sports. I mean, who, who's to say that they're going to even have a season also? So I'm, I'm keeping my name in the draft, and, and I'm taking my chances with that. Look, I was about to say you'd have to go with the one that pays you money, but, you know, sometimes in college, yeah. sometimes they both pay you money. Who knows? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> on this date in 2001, our greatest living American, yes, Allen Iverson, won the MVP, <laughs> making him not only a legend, but the shortest player ever to win the award at six feet tall. My question for you, Paul Pierce, what was it like mm. competing against the answer? <laughs> Man, I'm not even going to lie to you, Rage. I didn't match up with him, but I knew I was in situations in pick and roll where I switched out on him. And I'm not gonna lie, I was scared to death because I could play, I could play defense and all, but I knew I couldn't slide my feet with Allen Iverson because every night when you looked up at the Sports Center highlights, he was crossing somebody, he was putting somebody in the mix. And so all I knew was when I switched on him, I was gonna give him that Olay defense. I was gonna lie, I'm gonna let him do his move and I'm gonna let him go. And hopefully I can send him to the baseline because I was not trying to slide my feet with that guy. So I didn't for, want to end so, up on nobody's sports center highlights, period. So for me, Rachel, I mean, I actually had to guard this guy. And, you know, it was one game where he was killing us in Philly. He was killing, like, our guards. And Doc gave me that look like, it's your assignment now. The dude <laughs> never stops running. So I got to <laughs> score and I got to slow him down. I was so tired after the game. I, I was the last one in the shower just like soaking and, and trying to figure out why am I so tired <laughs> from guarding and chasing this dude all over the court. But he was a joy to compete against. <laughs> hey, short people can be dangerous. That's all I'm saying, guys. Man. It's not just up to you tall folks. 
That's all I'm saying. Last dance, guys. Just a reminder, the last episodes are this Sunday night. Just to give you a little sneak peek at the content, it's going to really focus on that tough, tough seven-game series with the Indiana Pacers that the Bulls had in 1998 and, of course, their battles with the Utah Jazz. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Thank you, Chris Paul and Will Packer. Have a great weekend, everyone.